What is up, you guys? Welcome to Mindset Sessions by Off The Wall Therapy. I am Brock Iceman, and I am stoked to give you guys a look into the sport and performance psychology world. I am here to help you create tools and optimize your potential. Let's get it. Who are you? Who are you? What defines you? Are you defined by what you do, your profession, the sport that you play, what you do for work? In the conversation today, you're going to be on that thought track. We're going to be talking with Kevin Schultz and listening about what defines him, his role, his identity. But that question, what defines you? Who are you? Kevin has been a professional surfer and he currently still is a professional surfer. And he's competed at a very high level in the surfing world. He is going to give us some insight on what it means to be more than just a surfer. I'm really excited for you guys to hear what he has to say. I can sit here and list off all the things that he has done. Whether that be surfing for the USA team. Um, going and surfing in places that people don't surf, like in Alaska or in Canada, surfing lakes, doing backflips on a surfboard. But what defines him? That's going to be one of the main topics that's going to be reiterated all throughout this conversation. If you are defined by the one thing the one thing that you do the most, that's not it. That's not who you are. I'm really excited. And I can't wait for you guys to hear this. So here's Kevin Schultz. Enjoy the conversation. So kind of starting from like the amateur setting, um, I competed for the high school team and then qualified for like the USA surf team as a senior. Yeah, St. Clemente High School. So, I mean, I first got into surfing when I was like 10 years old um, and then just really caught on to surfing quicker than I did any other sport and and loved it. Uh, I feel like I excelled in surfing quicker than I had with any other sports before, so that kind of stuck with me. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of competition, they have amateur competitions and then you kind of graduate into um, pro juniors and then a professional environment um, with the ultimate goal of qualifying for the world tour and the definition of professional surfer can be pretty wide nowadays I mean you don't even have to compete to be a professional surfing Um, and it could even be just in terms of hey you have a sponsor 
that pays you money that qualifies you as a professional mm-hmm. or a social media platform or, or a YouTube channel, whatever it is. Um, so early on in my surfing career, I was competing and my whole goal was to qualify for the world tour. And there's events called world qualifying series events. And those kind of travel, you travel internationally to all these events that are put on by the world surf league and you uh, basically earn points towards qualifying to the world tour at the end of the year. Hmm. Um, and I want to say there's over a thousand surfers on the world qualifying series and every year they take the top 10. Hmm. So it's a pretty slim margin. Uh, that's yeah, like that, a, that's I mean, really, that's a 1% margin. Um, that are actually qualifying and making it mm-hmm. to that world level. Yeah. And I was just pursuing those QS events for a long time to try and qualify for the world tour. And as I started progressing in those, you know, I had some success in those events. Um, I won a couple of them and got myself into that top 100 kind of conversation where that goal and that dream of being a world tour surfer became a little more attainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was also some other events and they're, they're called air show events. It would be similar to like a, a big air and snowboard or a skate event. Yeah. So it's a single maneuver event. Um, the biggest, highest, most technical air would win. And aerial surfing was always kind of my, my niche. Yeah. I was like, gymnastics guy or whatever yeah and for for people who don't know you or understand who you are if you'd ever seen the guy who did a backflip on one of the wave pools that was that was kevin (laughs) thank you (laughs) yeah so we we started kind of doing those events the air show events were super fun and i found myself having a lot more fun being more happy um and having a little more success in those events. Yeah. So I kind of almost transitioned my surfing into the air show series and partaking in those events when I could. Yeah. Um, a lot of those events were in invitationals or um, you'd have to qualify through like a, uh, another event if you've done well before. And I just found myself enjoying that a lot more. So I kind of transitioned into those and then further down the line um COVID happened and surf events became a lot more sparse and I just wasn't competing as much and I wanted to kind of diversify my portfolio per se and get into something different and my my dad was a firefighter he's retired now Mm -hmm. and it was always something I had in the back of my mind So I kind of started transitioning into doing that. I got my EMT and just started applying to to departments and um, ultimately led me to getting picked up with LA County Fire Department in their air and wildland division. Mm -hmm. So I'm working as a, what they call a fire suppression aide now up in LA. Yeah. What a question I have for like that when it comes to uh, going from competing at such a high level like you were doing Mm -hmm. and you were really competing like by yourself. Like it was you versus the other guy or in every single heat, it's like only on you. Yeah. Um, 
how have you made that transfer from working like with a team like that that team cohesion is it's totally different like a different aspect like you are you're working towards the same goal now like now you have a bunch of guys that are doing the same thing yeah how did you or how are you like kind of like dealing with that personally i think the team environment is way better mm-hmm. and i always have enjoyed a team environment and interacting with other yeah. like-minded individuals um <clears throat> when when i was competing surfing like you said it's a very individualistic sport yeah and rarely did you actually d- get to compete as a team so i so i did surf for the usa team for a little bit yeah in a few events and that was really nice because we were working towards a common goal of hey we want to get a gold medal for usa Mm-hmm. or um, running like a tag team event in surfing. Mm-hmm. And those were always a blast. So I felt like that team environment, when you can bring everybody together and you're all working towards the same goal and lateral that into the fire, the side of like the fire department for me is just so much fun. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of people who all have the same goals and we're all together every day. Um, it just makes the environment around a little more friendly. There's a lot more camaraderie mm-hmm. and we all support each other. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want anybody to fail. Yeah. Um, not that, not that you want your competitors to fail, but your goal in an individualistic competition is for you to be on top. It's all performance based. Yeah. It's all an performance outcome. based. Right. And, uh, in the camp section of the fire department, we're definitely competitive with other camps, but ultimately, when we're when we're out doing what we do in in working like safety and preservation of life and property is number yeah. one and yeah we mess around have fun at the station or or the camp when it's when when we're together but when the job gets serious and we put our heads down we're looking out for everybody and it's like okay this is my team these are my guys mm. like I'll do anything for them and, and make sure they're not in danger or like kind of going off of that too so i want to know like like your thought process on taking surfing and then going to fire and being like okay mm-hmm. uh how can i how can i use what i've learned from surfing and use that for fire yeah um so i i've always thought about it like in interviews when you're going into interview with the fire department you know it's it's um you sit down and you're talking to a panel in front of you and trying to relate past experiences to apply why you would be good for the, for, for that position. Yeah. Um, and something for me that has always been like a standout in a good interview point is maybe I surfed X amount of years and became professional at it and, and, really put my head down to train and get better and push myself every day to meet a peak performance standard Mm -hmm. and achieve a goal. Now, if I can take that same mindset and just roll it over into something else that I'm passionate about, I know I'm capable of it because I've done it over here. Mm -hmm. But if I can roll that over and be, Hey, here's this. I'm an, I'm a beginner. Like I'm still very much a beginner level at, this new job that I have. I'm a kook. Exactly. (laughs) But I've got time to learn. And if I have that same mindset that I did with surfing, 
where I'm like, I want to get better every day. I want to learn new things. I want to understand what's going on. Like, okay, I under I understand my equipment surfing. Mm-hmm. Like, let's understand my equipment or my PPE that I work with every day mm-hmm. at work in the fire department. Yeah, and just take those same that same mindset and build on it, and over time, hopefully become a professional at it. Yeah, even if you don't, having that mindset going into it mm-hmm. would be more beneficial than just like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so I think those little aspects of just having goals to accomplish and and get to a um, get to an endpoint. But I'll, I know I'll never be the best or good enough. Like even the best surfer in the world can get better mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. So I know that if I kind of bring that mindset to this new position in the fire department, I think that that's the same function. Yeah. No, that's that's making me think of um, how important it is to set a standard for yourself. Mm-hmm. And your standard, your standard's definitely high. Competing in what you've competed in with surfing, you've set a like a specific standard for yourself. Like you have a certain amount of discipline. You understand like specific qualities that make you who you are. Um, what do you think that, that standard would look like for for uh, fire that you've obtained from surfing? Because your 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 standard for competition, your standard for like drive, mm-hmm. hard work, like all those things are that's your standard. So those kind of qualities will would you say that they pour over into fire? A hundred percent. Yeah. And and not just my standards. Um, I mean, most I think all fire departments throughout the world have a standard yeah. that is very high. Yeah. Because it's 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 sometimes a matter of life and death. Mm. So you want a high a high standard mm-hmm. there of performance of of attitude mm-hmm. um, of how just how you work. So I I think it's daunting going into this new world for me. Like I'm a little I've always been a little like oh no how how am I going to do this? Am I going to learn? Like am I going to be good or am I going to be terrible at it? Mm-hmm. Um but having being held to a high standard to begin with, mm-hmm. I think just makes it, makes you a better person and more driven to achieve that high standard. Mm-hmm. Um, because that, if you're, if you're not performing at a high standard in the fire department, you know, like they cut you, yeah. like if you're on probation or something. So yeah. like just working and, and having the mindset to achieve, a, um, that high standard is, is good. Mm-hmm. And, like surfing yeah i had a little more freedom and individualistic kind of mindset with it um and maybe the standards were set by like a sponsor or a contract uh just to meet those hey you have to um post these pictures or uh be present at these competitions make appearances here those are those standards and and you have to meet them to kind of get paid that's Mm -hmm just how a contract works yeah um and then it's like the same with the fire department so when you sign on as a job you're you're taking an oath and to to protect and serve you know Mm -hmm. and you're taking that oath under like the los angeles fire department Mm -hmm. and how does that feel kind of freeing to you because i know with surfing like you're branding yourself you're making sure that 
like you have to do all these things for sponsors for teams for whatever you have and now like you get to do that for los angeles fire department yeah i the the sponsorship i almost think about rolling that over into okay i've signed a contract a job contract with los angeles county fire department and i am now a representative of that department Mm -hmm. so their code of ethics their um their their six pillars or or traits that are representative of the department Mm -hmm. like i'm expected to act in a certain way because i would like to be a good representative and spokesperson for that department Mm -hmm. um so i almost think about that as like a sponsorship where hey i've signed this contract uh surfing contract they expect me to do this this and this and now i've signed a contract with um, the fire department and they expect me to act in in a professional setting so I kind of relate those two and that was like another interview question in the past that I've had mm. with with departments is um, just relating the two and how how it works yeah. so yeah was surfing was it always the dream was that was that something that you knew was like, okay, this is who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. I think it was, it became the dream um, when I was 12 or 13. Hmm. And then as I got older, it was still the dream, but I realized I had time to pursue other things. Hmm. And that just, surfing wasn't, the only thing that defined me Hmm. um so i mean around that time when i was 16 i I met my now wife and reagan yes yes um i met her and i've always loved being around my family so i felt like i was like okay i want to have a family at some point Mm um and then I said my dad was a he he was a firefighter and he retired and seeing him and like how happy he is and how successful he's been throughout his career and how much he enjoyed it mm. I kind of looked at him and was like man what a cool what a cool thing to do mm-hmm. and also rewarding and and be able to provide for a family so your dad kind of set the standard for that mm-hmm. too. he did okay. 100%. Gotcha. And so all these other things as you just go through life became apparent. And yeah, surfing was the dream. And if I can make a career out of it, then amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have. And I'm super fortunate and lucky to be able to still call it a, a career. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I kind of have like two careers now. And but there's so many other things that I became passionate about as I, as I grew up and got older. I want to have a family. You know, I want to have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to buy a house. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to work for a fire department. Mm-hmm. Like, I have all these little things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the combination of those is, is the dream. Not yeah. just surfing. Got you. Surfing is, yeah, it's a, it's a part of me. For sure. And I want to do it until I can't walk mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. I want to be 80. 
on a surfboard. Down in Santa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but that's, I think, the dream. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So um, I kind of want to go towards struggles. Yeah. Because the, the two topics that I wanted to talk about today are, one, your identity, who you are as a surfer, whatever you define yourself as. And it's not necessarily... I am a I am a surfer. That's just what you do, right? So I wanted to talk about identity and then I also wanted to talk about like like the level of competition that you went through. And so what that has to do with like with surfing is some struggles that you went through. Mm-hmm. Um when it comes to struggle, what have you dealt with in your career so far, in your life so far, struggle wise? Like what adversity have you gone through? So <clears throat> On the competition side, the biggest struggle for me was always between my ears. Mm. Just, I started competing a little later than than most mm-hmm. would, and I found very limited success. And when you just get beat down in contests, like, in at that age, it just would it would just play with my head. Mm-hmm. I, I was I would get angry, I'd get sad, and I would I would lose a lot. Mm-hmm. I lost a lot, mm-hmm. and that just drove me insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, that the kind of early on struggles with success and and w- not even winning contests, just making it through a couple rounds was was always like hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so that w- that was a big one on the competition side and it's funny like you'll in contests there's very few amounts of people who are just successful all the way through um in winning constantly mm-hmm. like maybe one in a hundred thousand kind of thing mm-hmm. so I, I would go through these phases where i would lose a lot and then i would find my stride and then I would kind of graduate to the next level of competition and go through that whole cycle again. Mm. And it's like, okay, after 10 years, you get kind of, you're in between your ears. You're a little confused and like, is this, am I doing this right? Mm. And uh, that was kind of just hard. I think overcoming that over and over and over and getting put through the spin cycle was tough. Yeah. Um, on the side of like, I think one of the the hardest parts for me with my surfing career was I was in that head headspace of hey I'm gonna qualify for the world tour and I'm gonna go around the world and put these crazy video parts out and I had a sponsor at the time who wanted me to do that um, and then like COVID kind of happened in mm. in that time yeah and everybody started cutting budgets and i had a sponsor who wanted me to pursue that and go go do it and uh there was like a budget cut and so the contract they offered me another contract and it just was wasn't feasible for me to kind of pursue that dream anymore yeah so i declined the contract and I know it was my own decision and there are some other influencing factors like 
around that time is when I started trying to get into the fire department and pursue that. So there are some outside factors that influence that the declining of the contract. Yeah. Um, but it was still just played with my my mind a little bit of being like, okay, like I'm consciously hanging up an opportunity or a dream to to pursue something that I was really passionate about for a long time. Yeah. But it was also a conscious decision to pursue another side. That dream that we talked about earlier is kind of encompassed in a few different things. Mm-hmm. So like, hey, this is going to give me more opportunity to spend time with a family, to grow a family, um, to get married, to have kids, to like do all these things that I'm passionate about still. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I, I don't want to say it was a bad thing. I think it, honestly that decision to decline a contract and, and pursue that direction of surfing was the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, just looking at where I'm sitting now. So you, inten- and, you like intentionally stepped out of your comfort zone. Yeah. You put yourself in a situation where you're like, I'm, yeah. I'm intentionally, I'm declining this, this yes. offer that I have on the table to go and pursue something that, that ultimately will help you in the future. Absolutely. And it was really uncomfortable. It was, dude, I, I like, I, tears were shed about it kind yeah. of thing. Cause I just felt so weird and it's like this new place that I've never been. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh God, what am I going to do? And I was extremely fortunate and um, actually ended up signing with a brand a few, like a year later, Mm -hmm. that has been extremely supportive of both of my goals as uh, working for the fire department, as a professional surfer, as a family man. That company, Slater Designs, Uh, uh, Firewire Surfboards and Slater Designs. Yeah. Um, and that, and Kelly Slater himself actually has been very supportive of like this, this direction I've gone. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm so thankful for that. And that worked out nicely. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, but it was a scary, scary, like in between timeframe, um, where I just didn't, there's kind of some unknown and uncomfortable areas that I'd never been to. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, well well, this could work or it couldn't. Um, yeah. It's just, Do you think that you found like growth in that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. As a man, right? As a man, 100%. Yeah. Getting out of my comfort zone, uh, you know, applying for this position that I'm in now with the fire department. I was like, man, I don't have any experience with that. Mm. I'm a, I'm a dork. <laughs> like, I don't know how to do that stuff. Yeah. And, it, and do you see do you see the the part that you're kind of relating right now like you surfing you identified as a surfer mm-hmm. like every every person that would come up to you they'd be like oh that's kevin schultz the surfer mm-hmm. like that's kevin schultz the guy who does the aerial stuff like that guy freaking rips now you're kind of seeing that transfer that growth of becoming that like you're you're becoming a man like you're you're stepping into that next role in your yeah. life where you're you're obtaining more um, but you had to go through like really, really uncomfortable things, make uncomfortable decisions intentionally. Yeah. 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 And, and I guess those decisions like 
I don't want to sound like I'm complaining either because yeah. I'm so I was extremely fortunate. Kevin, I don't know thankful. if you know about like the philosophy that I have when it comes to sports psychology. I've I've mentioned to you before, but I'm not big on like positive thinking and positive reinforcement. Yeah. Negative, I like to stay away from, but the neutral, so right in between. So mm-hmm. taking things that actually are like factual mm-hmm. and not necessarily positive, I think that that relates to you better. Yeah. So you don't need to keep apologizing for that because it's something that is true inside of you. Yeah. Like it's just like you're not complaining. It's just something that simply, simply is, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. I think that that's the way that you're going to build consistently throughout your career is being able to be honest with yourself. Yeah. Not saying that stepping away from surfing is like the most wonderful thing in the world. Like I'm, I'm going to do fire like that. It doesn't have to be the most wonderful thing in the world for you to grow and to be able to kind of obtain all these, these really important qualities that you're, you're getting for yourself and your identity. Right. But, but staying neutral and being like that, I think that that, that's something ultimately that's important for you. So don't, don't feel bad about being like, Oh no, like fire has to be the most important, best thing in the world. Like, Nah, like everything that you've gone through, it doesn't have to be negative, right? Right. It's just, it is, you know? Like yeah. It's, it's just happened. Yep. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. It was what it was, and it will be what it will be. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's a, that's a good way to think of things. I think a lot of people kind of, and I'm guilty of it myself, of being like on a really high high or a really low low. Yeah. And realistically, it's not that bad, or mm-hmm. it's not that good. You're like, just, just there's a nice level middle ground and, yeah. and a good way to follow and pursue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And when it comes to performance, like if you want to be more consistent, like with what you do, like if you're going into fire or if you want to be more consistent, say with Slater, right? So mm-hmm. like what you're doing there to, to gain that consistency, you have to the most important thing is if you are dealing with emotions, emotions are like, beautiful things right so when it comes to your emotions and how those affect you um they're beautiful they were given to you they're they're who you are but if you let those emotions kind of lead your actions if those emotions are leading your actions they're always going to be inconsistent so taking your emotions being able to kind of set them in an area where you can go and deal with them after you you kind of handle your business Mm -hmm. And not letting those emotions lead you with your actions, that's that's where you're gonna find your most success. That's where you're gonna find your most consistency. That's what I talk about like with athletes about composure. Yeah. Is your emotions, they don't they obviously they don't keep you composed. So with emotions, you have to be able to to put them in an area where you go and handle them, where you deal with them, you go and talk to somebody, you get those emotions out. So when it comes to performance, all of your action based stuff is all all stuff that's really truly promoting growth not not the emotions that that kind of are all over the place they're fluctuating so if you want to be more consistent have more composure it's all about being able to set aside those emotions which make you who you are Mm -hmm. they're beautiful but if you want to be more consistent you have to be able to kind of set those to the side you know set those to the side handle them in a specific area think about like when you're because obviously you being in fire right now, if you're going to go and fight a fire and you are dealing with all your emotions, you know for a fact, in order for you to perform, you have to be able to not worry about those emotions in the moment. Mm -hmm. Those emotions could potentially kill someone or harm someone or do something 
action wise that doesn't help you at all. So being able to, to put those emotions to the side. And I know that in today's world, it's like, oh no, like you have to be able to feel, you have to be able to like do all these things, relate to emotions, but emotions ultimately when it comes to performance, you have to be able to learn how to set them to the side, deal with them post-performance, deal with them after whatever, whatever situation that you have to handle, you have to handle that situation. Yeah. And that's kind of a quality that you're learning through fire that it's, it's, it's ultimately going to help you. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's funny too, that, that you mentioned just setting things aside and like keeping that level kind of like homeostasis of, of emotion. Mm-hmm. There's almost a common theme that I've seen, and this is just an observation. Don't know if it's true. Mm-hmm. Don't know if it's, it's just something that I've, picked up on but a lot of um leaders and or high level professional athletes in my interactions with them they're almost they're always kind of calm and then they'll go do something so impressive or so crazy or or something that you really look up to and go oh my gosh that that was incredible Mm. you know um my interactions with like some of the big wave surfers around the world who are, they surf waves that will kill you in a heartbeat. Mm. And a lot of those guys, when I talk to them, they're the most even keel, like almost too calm mm. for what they do. And then you, you see them and you go, you man, you're a psycho. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you are going, you're surfing a hundred foot waves and then you meet them and talk to them and they're just, Oh yeah, really nonchalant, like mm. calm. It, or um I like I to I, call that I like to call that calm aggression. Yeah. Like calm they're aggression. relaxed. They're relaxed, but they're super aggressive. Yeah. And typically you only see the calm side. Yep. Right? But and inside of them is just like this fire. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the other side of it, just how being more involved in the fire department, um, a couple of like well, a lot of the the men and women who were in the fire department, you know, when duty calls and, and things go wrong, mm-hmm. they're there and present and somebody might be having the worst day of their life and they're just so professional and so calm and know how to deal with adversity mm. and... But it's traumatizing, like what they're sitting and watching and experiencing, or somebody's house is burning down, or like a hill's on fire and people are running scared, you know, and they just have a lot of those people who I look up to, who I see as professional, mm-hmm. are very good at keeping calm and, and dealing with traumas and emotions later on, mm. like you said. Yeah. I mean, man, I've talked to my dad about some of the calls he used to run hmm. um, when he was when he was working, and he sees some shit, hmm. some scary, bad, ugly stuff. Yeah. And I know a lot of guys have, and a lot of girls have, who work in that side, and then on the other side of surfing, you know, these guys are surfing these crazy, big, scary waves, but they're just emotionally stable and calm. And deal with these things mm-hmm. really well, yeah. and that's just something that I've noted from like 
qualitative observation mm-hmm. is just seeing that and how they deal with stressors. Mm. Um, and like, I feel like you're a good person to talk to about how to deal with those and put those things aside. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm still working on that. You yeah. know, I like to think that I'm cool, calm and collected, <laughs> but like when I went on my first brush fire, big one, I was like, Oh man, this is kind of scary. What do I do? And then, so I'm looking to the people that have experience in mm-hmm. leadership mm-hmm. and they're calm and cool. And that made me feel better. Yeah. So just learning those little ins and outs and how to do things with your emotions mm-hmm. is big. And I feel like there's people like if you see somebody that you respect and, and um, aspire to maybe be like or just understand is I think that leadership role is a, is good to look to because mm-hmm. I know I have those people in my life right now mm. and I look to them for for kind of when I'm not feeling confident mm. within my emotions or something. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, no. And truly like you can you can observe and when you're talking about leaders like you can look at what a good leader looks like, but you almost learn more from what a bad leader looks like. So mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've experienced that, but if you have the mindset of, okay, good leader, he's calm and collected in a really nasty situation when he's dealing with adversity, that guy deals with adversity really well. But then you can also learn to observe. If you want to get better at that, you can literally learn to observe people who aren't good in those situations. Mm -hmm. You go, okay, what quality does this person have? This situation happened. He didn't really react in the right way. I'm not going to do that. But, But you have to recognize it. One of my favorite words that I say with everybody is recognize. If you have something and if you want to get better, you have to recognize what you're not doing good at. Mm -hmm. You know how people, people always say like, Hey, like consistency, consistency, consistency. If you're doing something consistently do it and you'll get better at it. Yeah. I think that's a joke, right? Cause you can, you can consistently suck like consistently be bad it's like my golf game (laughs) exactly (laughs) so so if you're got your golf game like if you're consistently working on the same exact thing over and over and over and over again like you're consistently just sucking yeah right you have to recognize those things that you are doing poorly you have to admit them yep you have to tell them to yourself and be like okay i am not i'm not doing this right i'm not doing this well and then the moment that you recognize that you have to make the adjustment Absolutely. And then once you make the adjustment, then it's like, okay, take a deep breath. I'm just going to go and do it. But the most important part and the hardest part, especially for high level athletes is recognizing and admitting to yourself that I'm not doing that well. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's easy to be negative, but that's not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not saying be a negative, like a negative person when it comes to recognizing that you suck. Okay. But in order to get better, better at something, you have to actually admit it to yourself not other people like you have to admit it to yourself like i am not doing a good job at this i need to get better at this and i'm going to get better at this so Mm -hmm. i will and i'm going to that's the adjustment that starts the adjustment and then the adjustment that you create if that adjustment doesn't work you go and make another adjustment you keep on changing things up another thing that i talk about is extreme opposites so if you try one thing and it didn't work do the exact opposite Find out, find out where you kind of meet in the middle of those two things, mm-hmm. you know? So kind of going on that. Sorry. No, no. I, I love hearing that. I yeah. think that's, I, that's exactly how you get better. 
Yeah. And also, when you do recognize those things that you're not good at, mm-hmm. and you admit to yourself, I'm not good at that, yeah. find the people that are going to help you get better, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, like a mentor, right? Exactly. Don't yeah. have people in your court who are not trying to help you get better. Mm. And like, Give me an example from like surfing. Like, What's, what's something that you recognized in surfing that you needed to get better at? Um, probably. Pow- How about the first like, time you did airs? Like the yeah. first time you ever did an air. That was, yeah. I was, <laughs> what age was the first time you ever I think did I was probably 12. 12? Yeah, I think I was 12 years old. Sick. Something yeah. that I think I really, and I still, I, I know this, I recognize that I could get better at this, is like how much power I have in my surfing. Mm. You know, I, I'm a pretty, um, wiry lanky guy Mm -hmm. and not that i'm not strong but i'm just not like i'm not a super built dude Mm. so i'm 6'1 170 Mm -hmm. and that was i actually gained 15 pounds recently because of i went through the fire academy thank you thank you but i've been hiking and working out every day and so my surfing was lacking power Mm. um so to get better at that, you know, in the gym, training, building muscle, mm-hmm. um, maybe working on my equipment a little more that's going to be more catered to like a powerful mm. surf style, mm-hmm. um, dialing that out and having the people that I was training with um, be positive about, hey, you need to do this, this, and this. One of my friends, Scott Kenow, he's a he's a really good trainer, um, and he was just helping me out a lot with like, I think you need to build this uh, strength here, and kind of he was just helping me bulk up a little bit. So you recognize was, you recognize the deficit that you had like in your physical attribute. I did. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, honestly, I think I still I could still use some weight. Like mm-hmm. I think. My goal right now is to be about 180, mm-hmm. and I'm 170, mm-hmm. and I think 180 is like my target. Yeah. So that just involves, you know, training, eating. Yeah. Kind of going off of the extreme opposites, you'd find out what your perfect weight is if you found out what too heavy is. Correct. And that's kind of what I found when I was playing baseball. I My freshman year, I got up to 220, and my perfect weight for playing baseball I found out my junior year and that was like 195 right around 200 because I was fast I was strong um I was still super athletic when I was 220 I was just like thick hitting bombs (laughs) yeah dude like it there's like a perfect weight for every single person but um I did have to recognize that I found that out through getting like too big you know yeah and then i toned it back down it's easy to go to like the extreme uh-huh. and then tone it back if you go to like the most power the most weight and then tone it back that was something that i kind of found out with that and talking about mentally like mentally i felt just way better when i was at mm-hmm. that specific weight not to talk too much about like weight and stuff but no i it's it's i think that's spot on yeah if i could gain weight I struggle gain weight real bad, so I can, I don't know if I can get to that polar opposite. Yeah, but I I just at least I have that target that I want to hit. Yeah, and if I can go over, then sweet. That's, yeah, that then you test your opposite. Yeah, yeah, not the extreme opposite. I 
I really love doing that. Yeah. It, it, it mainly just kind of makes you, it makes you find out like, okay, well, what is too far? Like you explore, you're kind of, it's like an exploration thing. You mm-hmm. find out what's, what's too much. Okay. Now I'm going to tone it back. It's easier to tone it back than to ramp it up because mm-hmm. ramping it up that, that just takes a little bit more effort and you don't really know how to, once you ramp it up, you don't really know how to get there every single time. Correct. That's how, um, there's not as much control. Yeah. And that's how I've actually been working on equipment, mm-hmm. like surf equipment mm-hmm. with, uh, with Slater designs is we go, okay, we have an idea, mm-hmm. we build it, mm-hmm. and then we build variations of it. Mm-hmm. One very extreme variation, one really subtle one, mm-hmm. and then you dial it back and meet in the middle. Yeah. And that's the most successful way we've found equipment that works. Oh, absolutely. I can totally see that working with mm-hmm. surfboards. That's, that's super. And when he talks about equipment, he's talking about surfboards, right? Yeah. Yeah. And fins yeah. and... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could go down a deep rabbit hole that I don't know if we have time for <laughs> six hours later, yeah, but yeah. that's, I, I'm passionate about that stuff too. That's like, that's what I like to do on the surf world now is help develop and fine tune equipment that's mm-hmm. going to work for the general public. And What's then, it, what is your favorite board right now? I know that that's probably not as important, but I, no, it's, I've been working on this one, uh, with Kelly and my shaper, Dan man, mm. he, uh, it's kind of this really unique round little bullet nose outline. Mm. Um, and I've been finding a lot of success in it, mm-hmm. which is fun mm-hmm. and just how, how it feels under, underfoot. Mm-hmm. Um, I call it a speed pickle <laughs> just cause it looks like a pickle, <laughs> but it's really good. That's rad. Yeah. That was sick. All right, cool. Um, okay. I know we kind of went off on a tangent yeah, there, but, um, rabbit hole. yeah, no. And I know that, um, everything that we have talked about, it's, uh, it's like all kind of leading to who you are as a person and kind of everything that you kind of see yourself as mm-hmm. with identity. Um, I want to do like a little, like actual segment that if I was to ask you who you are, like, who are you, Kevin, um, without, like, displaying what you do? Mm-hmm. So who are you, Kevin? I think if I had to pick words of who I am, it would be, number one, family man mm. or husband. Mm. Um, I think that's, like, priority one mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Family, friends people I care about Mm -hmm. that's who I am Mm -hmm. Um, I think I would say compassionate is Mm. is another good like descriptive word Um, I found myself like always being very conscious of people's feelings and how how people are and wanting to like take care of them and and make sure everybody's doing all right, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I just, I think. So family man, compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, maybe I don't know. Driven is a good word, but oh yeah, I feel like I'm driven, hardworking, and a lot of people in my life have instilled that ethic of achieving goals 
and working towards them mm-hmm. consistently. Um, two two people that I look to f- for that is like my my mom and my dad, mm-hmm. and seeing how they have moved through their careers and their lives. I think they're good representatives of being driven people, mm-hmm. and I I having like my career right now and um, being a husband and just being passionate and driven to achieve goals in those aspects of life. Mm-hmm. I look to my mom and dad for that. Mm-hmm. And then my wife too is like, she's crazy good at doing things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so much respect for you and how you work hard mm. to achieve things. Mm. Um, yeah, driven and... I know you and I talked about like, yeah, surfing was my identity, but that's not my only identity. It's not how I define myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I define myself as, as a lot more and family man, husband, compassionate, driven person, Mm. um, who just wants to be the best person they can be. And that's, and that's the standard. If you're, what I'm trying to break this down, your identity, like if you, if you broke down your identity at the end of every single day, you sat there in bed and you asked yourself, like, did I meet my standard today? Um, your standard doesn't necessarily mean, oh, did I go and surf today? Mm-hmm. You know, did I go and surf really good today? Um, for some people, they could, they could absolutely put their identity on that. But at the end of the day, that's not who they are. You know, so living, living to your standard, meeting your standard for every day. If you go home and you sit with your wife and you're like, okay, like you're laying in bed and you're like, all right, I had a great day today. Um, I met my standard that looks for you. So you understand it's like, okay, was I, was I a good family, family man today? Like you're saying, Mm -hmm. like his family, did I put family, did I put family first? Mm -hmm. Pretty much. Um, was I driven? Did I do something that has to do with like who I am? Like, am I driving? You know? Right. Um, and then the third one what was your third one? Compassion. Compassion. So being compassionate. Did I help others? Did I did I pour into other people in my life? Was I a good person when it came to that? Like those those three things ultimately are who you are at the end of every single day. It doesn't have to do with what you're doing. That makes sense. Right. Like you as a fireman, you don't end up at the end of the day and go okay, well, that's, that's the most important thing in my life. Like that, that ultimately will lead for, for things that don't make you who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something to remember. When you're creating a standard, it has to do with those specific qualities. Yeah. And did you meet those qualities at the end of the day? You know, and Absolutely. tomorrow's the same exact thing. And yeah. hopefully every single day you are, you're growing. Hopefully every single day you're like, like okay, I'm going to be better today than I was yesterday. That's yeah, I. I actually feel like I should probably, at night, like write. Oh yeah, I should write. I don't journal. I should journal because those things that you and I are talking about right now, like this is the. Fr- I told you this before the podcast, but yeah. this is the first time I've ever sat down one on one. Yeah. And talked psychology, sports psychology. Yeah. And I know this is just like very topical in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, but mm-hmm. also, and we're not digging too deep into my brain and mindset mm-hmm. like I could do this for 10 hours you know mm-hmm. 
Um, that would be more with the mic soft kind of deal. Yeah. 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 But being able to identify just those couple things that we talked about mm-hmm. and then, hey, look, I should probably go write those down. <laughs> Have you ever journaled? Is that something? No. Never? No. Get a journal, dude. I should. I got you. I'm going to. I got you. I'll help you out. All right. It's, and when you journal, it's not, because everyone, specifically guys, like guys, guys have a harder time. They're like, I don't want to like spend the time to sit down, write down my thoughts. Like I already have a million thoughts inside my head. Like why do I have to put them on paper? Um, That's exactly why you should, Mm -hmm. because the, often the thoughts that you have, you, you suppress them. You don't necessarily, you don't recognize you don't recognize those thoughts as something that you can do to be better, mm-hmm. right? Um, but most importantly, like when you're writing in a journal, easiest thing you could possibly do is pr- like to start out to practice. You can sit there and start with gratitude. Super simple, super simple. Like you mm-hmm. can literally wake up every day and just create a habit of sitting and writing your journal or at nighttime, either nighttime or in the morning. Um, I do it in the morning. It's just kind of easier for me. It's kind of my little alone time right before I do a nice bath. It's just kind of yeah get going um but how you start just literally write down 10 things 10 specific things that you are grateful for just 10 things do that for a month every single day you will find out that it's easier to write down the thoughts and the feelings that you have post the gratitude like you'll figure out like okay well i'm thinking about this a lot right now and to be able to write that down on paper and look at it you're not, you're not just thinking it, you're writing it, you're reading it, you're like, okay, like this is something that maybe this is really on my on my conscious a lot. Because yeah. your subconscious is like constantly going, you know? Oh, yeah. Like how many thoughts do you think you have a day? Millions, realistically. <laughs> maybe not millions. A lot. <laughs> 60, you have 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. Okay. Right? And almost all of those thoughts, and this is why it's so important for people to journal, is because out of those 60 to 70,000 thoughts that you have, almost 80% of them are negative, right? Wow. Whether you admit that to yourself or not, almost 80% of them are negative. Of those negative thoughts, it's it's close to, it's like 76%, what they found in that study, it's like 76% repetitive. So you're thinking over 80% negative, and then you're thinking right around 75% repetitive thoughts so you're repeating negative things inside of your mind okay that's that's crazy and the fact that we have that inside of our head and we're not writing that down trying to get rid of those Mm -hmm. that's if you start journaling you'll start figuring out kind of the negative thoughts that bounce around your head yeah like what are what are some negative thoughts that you have bouncing in your conscious right now like even this morning you drove here you got here at 7 30 what are some things that you're thinking of that you could admit to yourself right now that you, you know, could recognize. Um, I because you're a pretty positive guy, and you have I, that. You I have think that I am too. That perception, right? But you, but I do have plenty of negative thoughts. Yeah, tons. Yeah. Um, what's a, what's one, just one? Yeah, one this morning is like, okay, I'm gonna go surfing after this. Yeah, I haven't surfed in six days, seven days, and I'm stressing. Mm. about surfing well mm. because I haven't done it in a while mm. and I have a new board and I'm like well what if the board doesn't work but what if a board does work and it's just operator error what mm. if I'm an idiot mm. like that little stuff yeah um had a driver in front of me on the way up here this morning that was just blowing it and I was mad 
<laughs> that was negative. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like, you know, there's there's work stressors where, hey, I'm a new guy at work. Like, I don't want to mess up. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of always in the back of my head. Like, I don't want to piss anybody off. I don't mm-hmm. want to do something stupid and have all these older guys look at me and be like, this guy's an idiot. Yeah. You know? Um, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be a bad husband either. Mm-hmm. I, like, I don't want to do anything to make my wife upset or or um, feel any animosity towards me. Mm. Um I guess those are more blanket negatives too. Well, no, every single I would say that every single one of those negatives kind of leads into what I call negative thought loops. Mm-hmm. Because every one of those, it's like, okay, that's the topic. Like, yeah, that's that's something I don't want to do something wrong at work, and then that leads into a bunch of other negatives, a yeah. bunch of other negatives that are related to that adversity when dealing with like your wife. I don't want her to have animosity towards me. It's like. Okay, that leads into a bunch of other negatives. Mm-hmm. Like there's a bunch of other things like, oh, you're sitting here telling yourself you're you're not spending time with her because you're going surfing. Like you say, okay, well, I can't surf for more than three hours because then that's going to just leads into a bunch of other negative yeah, thoughts, right? Yeah, 100%. And, and uh, the negative feedback loop is has always kind of been, like I mentioned before early on the podcast when I said a lot of my adversity struggles were in between the ears yeah is that negative feedback loop for me was always like okay i lost this competition Mm -hmm. i have another one next weekend i don't want to lose again Mm -hmm. and then you think about it all week Mm -hmm. or all month or Mm -hmm. whenever and you do that with with anything negative and it's so much easier to do that with negatives than it is positives oh yeah and i don't know why but it is well because naturally we are negative people Mm -hmm. naturally we are not positive people and that's why i don't like positivity like to be the like the answer Mm -hmm. because naturally we are negative so if naturally we're negative let's meet that right in the middle let's be factual Mm -hmm. like if we're true and we're honest with ourselves because being positive it is great it's awesome but when something goes terribly wrong when something is just wrong, like yeah. when you're dealing with adversity, positivity does not hold weight at all. Okay. Like say something truly like your knee, like when you hurt your knee, mm-hmm. right? When you have an injury, you can say to yourself, this is like, you could be positive. Like what are some positive things that you could say to yourself about your knee? Oh, you could be like, you know what? It's going to get better. Yeah. Or, um, you know, it's only a few months out of your life. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying positive things like I'm going to be okay. Like this is okay. Like this is fine. I'm going to be okay. like, whatever. Yeah. You're being positive. You're throwing positivity at it. You still have to deal with the fact that your knees jacked, right? You still have to deal with the fact that you are sitting in a place right now where you know that you can't be competing at the, the level that you want to be, you know, mm-hmm. that is lying. You're basically lying to yourself. If you can be more honest with yourself and say, this sucks. This absolutely sucks, right? Mm-hmm. Being honest, I'm, I'm displaying my actual real emotions on this. This sucks. But what I'm going through, it doesn't, it doesn't define who I am. I'm going to have a program. I mean, the science is out now. It's like, okay, there's a program to heal this. Mm-hmm. Say the worst thing happened. You tore ACL, MCL, meniscus. You tore all those, right? There's, there's a, like a program that you can come back. 
you can come back from this. Yes. Right? This is not something that, like, unless you get, like, your leg chopped off or something bad, like, obviously you die. That would be, yeah. that would be, un- <laughs> that'd be bad. But you're dead. But if you are honest with yourself, if you are neutral, if you say factual things, like, I can come back from this. This sucks, but I can come back from this. That's all you have to say. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need to be like, I can come back from this, and then I'm going to be the best in the world. Like, you don't, like, you don't, that's, that's not, that doesn't help. That's just like, okay, cool. But when you're in that mode, like, you can't even hear that. Mm-hmm. All you hear is the negativity. So try and think of factual things. Try and think of things that are real, you know? That ultimately will help you kind of get back into it a lot easier. Yeah. And deal with, deal with, like, things that you're dealing with for performance. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and naturally, I feel like you have to practice that. Oh my gosh. Like, you need to consciously make an effort to do that every single day. Yeah. Because that's like, it. how do you train something out of yourself? How do you train the negativity out? How do you train to be realistic? You have to recognize. Yeah, you have to recognize. If you recognize, then you can make the adjustment. You have to admit that you being negative is something that you need to work on. Yeah. And it's everything that you say. You walk outside, something that you can't control, right? Start controlling. That's how you get rid of negativity is you like, wait, what can I control? What can I control? That's that's exactly, I mean, one of the oldest sayings in the book, like control what you can control. It's so true though. Like when it comes to negativity, if you are being negative about things that you can't control, it's BS. Get rid of it. Yeah. You get you get rid of that negativity by simply placing factual things. So one of the most common things, you walk outside, oh, the weather's bad today. Oh, the surf sucks today. Like yeah. you can you can control the, like how you react to that. You can't control the weather. No. You can't walk out and be like, oh, it's cold. This sucks. Yeah. You're not in control of that. Instead, try and be like, okay, it's cold. So what? Yeah. Right? Whatever. Like come up come up with some, and I call these power words, like you come up with phrases that set you in line and they only are used for like negativity. Whatever, it, it would be more in line with someone that would think that that would be a negative phrase, but really what whatever to me, that was one of my power words when I played, mm-hmm. whatever was like a reset for me. Whatever was like, okay, that doesn't matter. I'm, I'm grounding myself. I'm gonna be present in the moment and be like, okay, whatever for me, mm-hmm. It literally meant, okay, reset. Yep. So that word meant reset. Like power words, they're, they're constantly flowing. I had, I used to have power words that were like songs. Yeah. Like, I'd literally, like I remember like a Geico commercial. Um, it was like, I, it didn't make any sense. It was, it was like an old, an old song um, that didn't mean anything to me, but I just would sing it when I was dealing with negativity, when I was dealing with a highly stressful situation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I had all these different words, these different phrases that d- didn't necessarily motivate me, but they, they got rid of negative thoughts. Yeah. You know? Yep. Instead of trying to put positivity in there, I would just get rid of negative thoughts by using like a power word that wasn't necessarily positive. It was more real. Yeah. Right? Yep. That, uh, I, I think that for me in is just fuck it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it is like, yeah. Uh, my my wife's reading a book right now. <clears throat> I don't know if you've read it. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Hey, something happened? Fuck it. <laughs> Pardon my French. I'm no, sorry. no, no, no. That that right there is like that. 
that's the beginning of mm-hmm. that's like one phrase that you use and it's not like the actual word like you saying fuck it doesn't actually mean something negative it no. really it really is just a reset for you it is it's a hundred percent a reset yeah i used to when i would surf and i would be having a bad session yeah i would get so frustrated sometimes yeah. i would it would just hurt me and i remember i talked to one of my coaches at the time and he's like hey you gotta just mentally reset like mm. what's your mental reset mm. i used to come in from surfing walk onto the beach Press the sand like it was a button and go, mental reset. Reset. Stand there and look at the waves and be like, okay, what am I doing wrong? Or how can I fix this? Be like, okay, it's a new day. Scrap it. And usually it would work. It's It was weird. So the reason, and I want to make this clear, when you overuse something, it means less. Mm-hmm. So if that was your only reset, you probably had a couple, but... If you overuse a reset, like you have to have a list of all the things, a list of all the things. So pushing the sand, looking at something specifically, saying something to yourself, all of these different negative things. If you do the same thing over and over again, or if you reuse, say you reuse three, you're reusing three all the time. You throw the first one at it, didn't work. Throw the second one at it, didn't work. Throw the third one at it, didn't work. Fourth one, oh, it did work. That's why it's important to have a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because you throw all of these things at it because like you said, sometimes you go and push it, sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah. You have to you have to have a bunch of different ones, a bunch of different things that deal with negativity. In a sequence that you move through them with. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because if you reuse the same one over and over, it loses its weight. I agree. It loses its power. That's yeah. why I call it a power word or a phrase or Yep. And and I think people have them subliminally too. Is like, okay, yeah, we're notoriously negative. But we want to overcome the, the negatives. Mm-hmm. So people, whether you realize it or not, I think you have those in your arsenal already. Mm. Like, how do you deal with stress? And what have you done in the past to get out of it? Mm-hmm. And then recognize them. Mm. Like, recognize those little things that you've done. Maybe write them down on a piece of paper. I know I need to. Mm. But write down the things that you do to overcome a stressful situation. Yeah. Recognize. I think that's the most important word right there. I agree. Yeah. I like that word. It. Yeah, me too. It's <laughs> my favorite word. Okay, wrapping this up, I last question. So, if you were going to tell your younger self like something, what would you say to your younger self? Like what advice would you give to your younger self? I would I think the advice I would give is to do hard things. Hmm. Do things that Put you out of your comfort zone and learn them and get good at them because that will make your life so much easier Mm. because the more exposure to uncomfortable things that you have when you grow up, Mm -hmm. I think you are able to deal with adversity in your life further down the line. I love it. So I'm actually reading a book called Do Hard Things right now. Mm. Um I'm only one chapter in, but it's good. <laughs> You've um, already gained that much knowledge through one chapter. Yeah, but that that actually that is a huge. That was that's exactly what I'd say is do hard things, mm-hmm. because the more you get uncomfortable, the more comfortable you are with with it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, somebody asks you to do something, or or you're told to go do something, or you want to do something, 
that's new and you're like, no, I can handle it. I'm mm-hmm. going to do this myself. Mm-hmm. And it instills that confidence in you that you can be successful in achieving in achieving things. Mm-hmm. Almost like if you have a fear of not being good at something or a fear of failure mm-hmm. or like being uncomfortable, that's an uncomfortable thought or feeling. Yeah. Going and doing it ultimately is what gets it like rid of that fear. hundred percent. And that's, that's surfing to a T when I think about that. Yeah. Something that you've learned, like you look at a big scary wave in order to get used to that big scary wave, you got to go do it. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And, and it can, that can be applied to anything. Oh yeah. Life. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. Being uh, a husband, being a parent, you know, all those things. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's what I would leave myself with yeah perfect yeah little Kevin (laughs) alright sick so thank you so much for coming onto the podcast I'm so stoked that you came that was fun I love this alright that's it thank you guys so much for listening if you guys want to reach out to Kevin and shoot him a message his Instagram is at Kevin underscore schultz again that's kevin underscore schultz and you spell schultz s-c-h-u-l-z if you want to reach out to me and you're interested in this topic and want to continue talking about role identity what you're defined by my instagram is at off the wall therapy or you can reach me at mindset sessions and those are both on instagram or you can email me at brock at offthewalltherapy.com. Again, if you guys enjoyed this conversation, absolutely reach out. Please leave a review, like the podcast, whatever platform you're listening on. I'd really appreciate that. Thank you guys so much for listening and have a great day.